What is going on, everybody? We have a new episode of the Consistency Wins Podcast where we are bringing the high achievers to you. Seriously, can't thank you enough for the last three years, the downloading, the listening, the sharing. Much is more to come, and the best is yet to come. Enjoy the episode. All right, we got here Mehek Vora, founder, CEO of Skill Bank, Forbes Top 10 Gen Z marketer list, and over 10 million views on LinkedIn. Mehek, thank you so much for coming on and uh, sharing what you got going on. Thank you so much for having me. Excited to chat with you guys today. Yeah, me too. I'm really excited about this one. I, I looked into the website, I looked into everything you're about, and this is some revolutionary stuff you got going on. And I'm really excited to dive more into it and ask some questions about it. Why don't we start off a little bit about who you are, your early life, and your journey into entrepreneurship? Yeah, my name is Mahak Vora. I grew up in Morgantown, West Virginia. I lived there for the first 16 years of my life. And I'd always been really passionate about building things. So in high school, I was making apps and I was learning how to code. And going into college, I realized that I wanted to be self-employed by the time that I graduated. So I spent a lot of my freshman year just working on different startup ideas. And by the end of my sophomore year, I realized that college actually just wasn't the right place for me. I learned a lot going to hackathons, which are like coding competitions that I'd go to on the weekends. And I found that I was just learning a lot more outside of the classroom. So after my sophomore year, I was able to convince my parents into letting me drop out and book a one-way ticket to San Francisco. And they gave me six months. So they said, heck, if you can figure out how to make a living in SF for the next, in the next six months, we'll let you drop out and stay there. So I dropped out, moved to SF, and I started working at marketing agencies. And I dropped out, moved to SF, and I started a marketing agency working with startups. And that marketing agency gave me this opportunity to learn on other companies' dime. So if I wanted to learn Facebook advertising, I'd go out and I'd find a client that um, was specifically within a niche that I wanted to learn or yeah, every, every client that I brought on was teaching me something new. And by the end of my time running that agency, I had accumulated a lot of experience with working with clients. And I noticed that I was just light years ahead of my friends that had decided to stay in college and go and work at a company. So that's when I decided that I wanted to start SkillBank, and that's where we're here today. So we got a little bit into the inspiration. Where are you guys today? Like, where is SkillBank today? So SkillBank is, so we just closed our seed, and so we're still pretty early. Our next cohort starting in May is going to be about 25 students. And our whole goal with this program is we want to help people that are looking to break into the marketing world, break in in the easiest way possible. So our program is 15 weeks long. And within that time period, we're just teaching paid media. So how do you do Facebook ads? How do you do Google ads? Helping you then land a job at an agency or a tech startup that's looking for that person to come in and run ads for them. So this isn't specifically for the person who's trying to be an entrepreneur and freelance. This is for a full educational course, one-on-one mentorship, as I was looking at it, of how to gain the skill. So I'm assuming you don't need much college experience in this, if I'm not mistaken? No. So yeah, 45% of our current students don't have a college degree. And I wouldn't say that we're not for entrepreneurs, but when I look back at my story, 
I, I realized that, you know, instead of spending four years running this marketing agency and trying to figure out what companies want me to learn, I actually really wish that I would have come to some type of program like Skillbank, learned something very specifically, and then actually gone and worked at an agency or at a tech company and actually watched that company scale. Because I think there's so much value in not just doing the work that you're supposed to be doing, but also seeing how that work plugs and plays into a company and how it grows. So I think we're a really good stepping stone for people that do want to start a company, but they don't know where to start or they don't know what they need to actually do to run a company. So yeah, come to Skillbank. We'll teach you what you need to know and then work at a company for two years, see how that company operates. And then after that, go and start your company. Got it. That makes sense. And I was looking briefly on the website. There's a bunch of different you know, ways that people that sign up for this course can compensate you guys. Do you mind shedding some light on that? I thought that was really cool. The the flexibility in how you guys get paid and how you incentivize people to land a better job because if you guys win, they win as well. That's what our whole model is based on is we want to not just give you an education and help you learn these skills, but the whole reason that you should be going to a program or to school is to actually land a high paying job. You want to be making money. So that's Mm -hmm. where we have created our incentives. So talk to us about what it was like starting this up, right? How did you get the the fundraising and and the, and the dough, so to speak, to, to really get this up and running? Did you have um, partners come in and how have you leveraged? We have a young voice here on this podcast, right? Like you're a young CEO. Have you leveraged other people in your world and um, whether it's, you know, investors or capital in general, just to grow and scale this business? The first five years of entrepreneurship for me were really, really lonely. You know, it, it was, it was putting in the hours and the and the time and just learning what I needed to um, to just get the pieces together. And even starting Skillbank, I started this company in September of 2019. And even the first year going into the fall, it was it was just me. I was I was teaching the classes in the mornings and the evenings, doing my programming stuff till like 3 a.m. in the morning to get our, our website and our portal up, and then hiring partner meetings during the day to like try to get my students placed into jobs. So a lot of it in the beginning was just hustling and trying to, trying to prove that this was a model that worked when we decided that, or when I decided that I wanted to start to scale things up and I realized that I saw that there was, there was a market here. I started talking to investors and just cold messaging people on LinkedIn and Twitter saying, Hey, I'm, I'm building this thing. We've placed a couple of students. I know that this is going to work at scale. Um, Would you be interested in investing or putting in some angel money? It's funny because in the beginning, a lot of people were like, dude, fuck no. Like, who are you? Like, why would I like, why? (laughs) Yeah. Like why? Like, like, yeah, you, you're, you're a time. It was like 22 or 23 years old. Like this isn't, you know, I hadn't really proved anything out. So it was, it was really hard to get people to take that chance on me. But what I found was, is that if I, if I kept them engaged over time, so it wasn't just like, oh, hey, they didn't give me money. I like walked away and never spoke to them again. I'd send them updates. I'd, I'd tell them what we were doing. And by like a year and a half into running this, I was able to like go back to those people again and say, hey, you've seen the progress that I've made. Would you be interested in putting some money in? And that's how I was able to get like, 40k into getting the company more up and running in the spring of last year and 
at the time we were interviewing with an accelerator for startups called Launch. Run, I don't know if you're familiar with Jason Calacanis, but he has a pretty big tech startup and he runs an accelerator where he accepts seven companies a batch and you pitch investors. And we got into that. So Jason invested money, Launch invested money. And through that accelerator, we were able to raise our seed um, in the last six months. That's awesome. Thanks for sharing that. That's a, a really cool story about how, you know, just nonstop perseverance, because people think that things just happen overnight. You got told no and told to go F yourself probably more times than you'd like to <laughs> admit. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> and, you know, it's it's funny because the way that I I remember whenever we started fundraising for our seed, I didn't look at no's as being a bad thing. You know, like you always hear like every 100 no's is going to equal to a yes. So what I what I did was is I actually made a tally and every investor that I pitched if they if they said no I I made a mark and I'm like all right I'm like one more no closer to a yes and what I found was it was like 45 or 50 no's that actually like got me to that yes um and and then I'd reset it by reframing that in my head is like a no is a good thing because I'm learning with every single pitch that I'm doing um, it made it a lot more positive and it made it a lot more easier to persevere through those those hard moments. So so question about this, this is probably one of the last questions about investors and get, and building a business through leveraging other people's capital, right? Like how much equity would you recommend young business owners are should be willing to give up in return of capital and return of growing their business, right? Because like Tony and I spend a lot of time chatting with young entrepreneurs, young business owners. As well as just ourselves being young entrepreneurs, like what is the amount of equity you you think would be valuable for for these young people just starting out to be willing to give up in return for their potential growth of their company? This is a really hard question to answer because it really depends on the company. Like if it's an e-commerce company and you're selling an online product and someone's injecting capital, it's going to be a lot more than a tech startup that could potentially have billions upon billions of returns. Yeah, it's it's a really hard answer to say, but I've seen for like a seed stage company, you shouldn't be giving up any more from like 15 to 20%. And like, even that sometimes is a lot. And then for e-commerce companies, like I've seen like 30 to 40% with like I mean, e-commerce as well. If you're, if you're starting some direct to consumer product and you aren't able to get it off the ground with seed capital, it's probably a really bad sign because you want those to be profitable a lot earlier. So I've seen people give up like, yeah, 30 to 40% in those scenarios just because they just need money to get started and then it runs. Mm -hmm. That was a great question, Lynn. It's so relevant because I'm actually working with a client right now who's in the middle of figuring out whether they should give up equity or go into debt. And you know that's a an answer that nobody can answer for them besides that unique scenario. So I appreciate you shedding light on that Mayhek as well. Yeah. And you know, Let's, the thing, go ahead, sorry. sorry. Oh, no, yeah. you go. I, I was, I was going to say, you know, the thing too is like, you really have to believe in your product first before anyone else would be willing to put money in. So like, even with skill bank, whenever we started fundraising for it, I think at the time I was like 15 to 20 K in debt myself, like just like, to paying off like employees or contractors, like trying to get things off the ground. And I knew that if we kept the course and if we stayed it, like there was a market and someone eventually would believe in us enough to where like we could, we could grow things out more. But yeah, I mean, I think that's the most important thing before like thinking about, yo, should I go and fundraise? It's, it's, am I willing to put everything that I'm 
like doing on the line to actually make this happen. Um, because if you're not, I don't think you're really cut for startups at the end of the day. Love that. And so now I want to shift the conversation more towards the logistics side of things in terms of marketing. This might be a shitty question to be honest, but it does vary, which is pretty ironic. Do you guys outsource the marketing that you use to actually grow your brand or is everything in house for, for skill bank? Yep. For, so for skill bank, skill bank is a marketing company that teaches people how to market things. But the irony is some, some other companies that I've spoken to, they actually use other marketing companies to help grow their brand. We're working with contractors and like we, we definitely, we use students internally to help us. It's like, it's a mix of both. Um, Mm -hmm. like our, our main, our main growth guy, Tyler runs everything, but then, yeah, we're working with agencies to help us with growing things. So and then we have students that will also come in and work on projects with us if they do well in the program. So it really just depends on like if the project that we're working on needs more people. Right now, our core team is really small. There's only four of us. So we'll, we'll bring in contractors for specific roles or agencies if, if needed. Got it. And yeah, that was my next question about how many employees you guys got. I'm assuming you guys contract everything else out. And then, you know, that saves you time and money at the end of the day. A question, yeah, you know, like we okay. want to work with like the best of the best, right? So it's like, if that means that it's like bringing on a contractor, great. If it means it's bringing on someone full-time, we'll do it. If an agency is really well known at doing one specific thing, then like we want to go work with them. So like it gives us that opportunity, I think, to stay really nimble and quick if we keep the team small. But I mean, at the end of the day, we are running a very operations heavy company because it's a it's a program that's a boot camp so i think over time we'll definitely be scaling up a little bit more but yeah awesome so i mean what are some common problems that come up within skill bank the biggest thing is is our our product we have we have two products it's the teaching the students and then the the students going to companies so it's it's a it's a double-sided marketplace and at the end of the day it's, it's such a human heavy company that we really have to make sure that you know, our, our operations are in place. We have we have everything in line to make sure that everyone's actually having a really good experience going through the program. So, I mean, I think that's that's the hardest part is just working with people and making sure that everyone, whether it's teachers or students, are, are happy as they're as they're going through. Cool, cool. And now I want to shift towards Mayhek Vora herself. Who are you as a CEO? What does a daily schedule look like for you? And, you know, how involved are you in the company? What are you doing on a daily basis? would love to hear that. It really depends on the day. If it's a normal day for me, it's just like we have our team stand up earlier in the morning around like 8.39. And then, yeah, the rest of the day is just meetings, podcasts, talk, doing one-on-ones with team members. So yeah, it's, it's, it's don't really have too much of a structure right now. It's more so just like, where am I needed and where can I best help with supporting my team and making sure that we're moving this vision forward. As, and as far as the vision goes, like who is a good fit to work with, with you guys and who's not a good fit? Start with the client side and then maybe finish with the employee side. So who is an ideal client for SkillBank? And then who's an, ide- an ideal employee for SkillBank? An ideal student for us is someone that is just really passionate about learning and wants to go work at an agency or a tech company. It doesn't have to be someone that's graduated. It doesn't have to be someone that has even had a lot of experience in the space. It's just someone that's motivated and wants to put in the time and the work and the effort to up-level their life and to break into the marketing world. So we have, we have students from all walks of life. On the employee side, I mean... 
right now, what we're really looking for are companies that are interested in hiring entry level talent, but like better entry level talent, because you can go like, if you're looking at an agency right now, they're, they're taking a lot of chances on people that haven't worked in marketing before. And they're hoping that they can pick things up really quickly. But if they're hiring from us and from our student base, they're going to get a lot more, they're going to get someone that has a lot more experience and they're going to get someone that has a lot more understanding for the same price as someone that is an entry level person. So yeah, I mean, I think our ideal companies that we're working with are agencies or earlier stage tech companies, and then students are just motivated people. Cool. And then now let's revert back to, you know, your life as a CEO, people hear CEO, they think, you know, mega million fortune 500 CEO, but as a founder CEO of a startup, and a lot of people I'm sure that are listening to this do see themselves one day, maybe starting up. What advice do you have for people that are trying to go into a startup or create a startup and be a founder CEO, the time commitment it takes. And in terms of not getting a return on investment so early, you know, how do you go about compensating yourself? You don't have to go into specifics that way, but you know, when is it, is it a good time to take some money out for actually daily living, things like that? I would love to know the logistics behind being a founder CEO of a startup. I think my biggest piece of advice to someone is just don't do it. <laughs> I mean, like, cause like really at the end of the day, like being a startup is our startup founder is one of the most loneliest things that you can do. Um, whether you're like working on your own or your work, even if you're working with a co-founder, because really your success is based on you and you solely, you know, like if, if mm-hmm. something goes wrong with our team, if something doesn't go right, it's always going to be my fault because I'm the person that's overlooking things and I'm the person that's there to make things move forward. So I think if you hear that and you're like, Max saying not to do it, but I still want to do it, then do it because like you might then have the, the, you have to have the audacity and like the perseverance to think that you're the best person to go out there and build something to actually become a founder and to be willing to put that time in. Like when I look at skill bank and what we're building today, I, I look at my team, I look at who I am as a person. And I, I know that I am the best person to be building this company. Um, and if, and if you don't believe that, like in your heart, um, you should not be building that startup. Great answer. And I think, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. And I think, you know, the other thing too, is a lot of people get worried about competition or other companies that are popping up that are in their space or whatever. But if you really, really, truly believe you're the best person to be building the company that you're building, you're not going to be worried about competition. You're not going to be worried about other people that are entering this space. And it's a lot easier to stay focused on your path and what you're trying to build if, if you believe that. So what's the grand vision here? What is what does 10 years look like for Skillbank? 10 years down the road, 2031. What what does Skillbank look like? What does your world look like personally and professionally? So for Skillbank, we want to completely own the non-technical space. In the next in the next 10 years, whether you're whether you're trying to break into agencies or tech startups, we want to completely own that 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 training process. So whenever we're looking at college, we're not trying to be a college replacement. Like I think go to college if you want to have fun. Like I went to college for two years. I partied. I I got to experience what that life was like living in a dorm. But when I was ready to work, I left and I went to go work. So we're looking at ourselves as being that last mile of education. Whether you graduated, you're looking to drop out and you're ready to work, we're here to help teach you 
those skills in 10 to 15 weeks and help you land a job that you need to start working and actually making a living for yourself and your family. So yeah, that's, that's what our main vision is. And I'd love to launch more courses outside of marketing in the next few years. Any other ventures outside of the marketing space you like to spend your time in? Do you, are you in a place now where you like to look at other places to invest or, you know, anything like that? Or, or, and then and maybe ta- to tail off of that quote, one question, I'll layer another question underneath it is just for young entrepreneurs that are starting out a business. What's your recommendation as far as their, their tunnel vision? Should they just keep the blinders on and keep, keep pumping away? And then, and then when their time becomes completely free because they have so many other people doing work for them, is that the time to invest in other things and look at, look outside of the, the hallway that they've been in for a while? Whenever you're working on building a product, it's never a good idea to have tunnel vision just because you want to make sure that you're building something that people actually want. So a lot of it is testing and trying different things, having different conversations. Whenever we we started SkillBank and we started building this curriculum for our paid media program, we were having conversations on a weekly, sometimes daily basis with people at different marketing agencies saying, Hey, if you were to hire from us, what would you be looking for from entry level talent? What are we missing? And we never really like went like tunneled in and said like, okay, we're just going to sit down and build this thing because that's how you get trapped into building something that people don't want. I think it's really important to try to figure out how to come up with a flow for yourself where you can get into like a building phase but make sure that you're also testing it with the people that you're around and it's actually something that people want to use. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess, I guess my question was probably a little all over the place or a little just not direct, but, but like as a, as a, as a CEO, a young CEO building a business, I think what we see is a lot of outcomes, right? We see, we see these, these people on Instagram, see these people on YouTube that call themselves, you know, these serial entrepreneurs that have built this cash flow stream from a bunch of different places. What we don't see is all the work it took to get to that point. So I guess, I guess I my see. question was more so like from a young CEO's perspective, what's your, what's your recommendation to other, you know, young CEOs, young business owners that are just starting up? Do you recommend they, I guess, I guess when I say put the blinders on, I mean, Hey, like I'm going to worry about growing this business and, and, and molding this business. I'm not going to worry about molding this business and then buying a bunch of real estate and then watching the stock market all day. And then, right. you know, looking over here for this e-commerce thing and looking over here and looking up there, like, would you rec- what's your, what are your recommendations towards that? Because I think our society is moving towards obviously with this gig economy where we're constantly being pulled in all these different directions on ways to quote unquote, get rich quick. Like what's your, what's your whole take on that, on that, on that stance maybe? Yeah. If you're young, use this as a time to learn, you know, like this, like I think before 25, you can get away with so much, you know, like if you like, you mess up or you do something wrong, like, you know, people are more willing to give you a break. Um, I'm really happy that I used the time that I did running my agency to just interact with a lot of different people and learn as much as I can. But I think once you decide to, once you decide to start a company and you say, Hey, this is the thing that I want to work on work on getting that off the ground before you start anything else. I think it's really easy to get distracted by really shiny things. And I'm, I fall for this all the time where I'm like, retweet. Oh yeah. Like, you know, like, <laughs> oh, like I want to start this thing or like, I want to do this. And I'm, I'm really lucky that I have a team as well that like keeps me like, no, heck, like, we need to be working on this right now. Or, like we need to be doing this. Um, and you know, like we're, we're all 
we're all working towards like the same vision. And I mean, I'm, I'm not thinking about diversifying anything right now because like I said earlier, like, I think this is the best use of my time because like, I think I'm the best person to be running this company and building this up to being a billion dollar company. Like I, I shouldn't, if I think, and I, I really truly believe that I don't want to be spending my time on anything else because this is the thing that's going to get me from point A to point B. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the, so, yeah. the double-edged sword of entrepreneurship. It's like, you're open to so many things, but on the, the bad side, you're open to so many things because, you know, it's so tough to just stay focused on one thing because we're such high achievers that we believe we can take on every task. But then when you try and multitask, you end up getting nothing done. So I've actually had to make yeah. the implementation into my, my, my daily schedule of blocking everything out as small as walking my dog so that I know that that is exactly what I'm doing in that moment and nothing else matters besides that. And it's actually made me a lot more productive in the long run. If you can define what you need to do to, you, you have to really sit down and actually just define your goals, right? For some people, it might be like, hey, I, I want to do real estate and I want to really get into that. So if that's the case and you're investing in real estate, then yeah, maybe you can diversify a little bit more into stocks if you want to. But if you're trying to start a tech startup and you're like going out and raising from investors, that like better be the only thing that you're working on because there's other people that are putting money into you to make that succeed. Um, if you're trying to start an e-commerce business and you know, like you're, you're launching it by on your own, then yeah, maybe like you can diversify a little bit more, but it's, it's much better to choose one thing and do that really, really well and use that as a vehicle for growth than it is to use a bunch of different experiences as vehicles for growth. Yeah, I think the importance, the the stress that we're trying to put on is set up that one first cash flow asset first so that you can diversify after. But that takes, you know, months and years of diligence and nonstop tunnel vision per se to really, you know, get that going. People think that it just happens overnight, but really I would recommend, and I'm doing this to myself, I need to take my own advice as well, is Set up that one cash cow right there so that you can use that cash flow for other things. Yeah. And, you know, even within the vehicle that you're using to grow, like even with SkillBank, like we get offers all the time for like, hey, you should go in and do this. And like, we'll be a client if you guys try this out or you guys offer this class or whatever. But like, you have to really stick your course and you have to know, hey, this is what this is what I know that we need to be building. And yeah, make it happen over a really long period of time, even if it gets rough or it's not shining anymore. Yeah. I really love the confidence that you have in yourself and your ability to grow this company. And I'm really excited to see the end result within, you know, five, 10 years from now I've heard, and I know we're coming down to the, uh, the ending of this interview. I've heard you're a TikTok star and a social media, (laughs) you know, you got millions of views on LinkedIn, things like that. Why don't you shed some light on that before we wrap this up? Yeah. So since I was eight, nine, maybe, yeah, I think eight or nine, I, I remember my parents got a, a Mac for our, our a Mac desktop for our house. I'd sit and play on iMovie. And that was like one of my favorite things to do. And since I've been a kid, I was making rap videos or editing family clips into fun movies. And I've always been a content creator first. I've always loved telling stories. So yeah, I was uploading videos on YouTube and I I never saw success on there until I got to college. And while I was in college, I was posting content where I was pulling in around 10 to 15,000 views a month on YouTube, just at Purdue University, um, my, my, my college campus. 
And I was uploading these daily vlogs, just showing what life at Purdue was like, like my time trying to start this agency, trying to drop out of college. I don't think I got past like a thousand subscribers, but like I'd become a little well known on campus through that content. When I got out to San Francisco, I I started writing on Quora, just like answering questions about like what it meant to drop out of school, what it meant to like find a path for yourself. And it was like, it was like a diary for me in a way. Cause like I had, I didn't know anything then. (laughs) I was just like talking about my experiences and, um, I was taking my answers on Quora and then copying and pasting them onto LinkedIn. And over the span of about a year and a half of just writing content every day, I built up this audience where I was pulling in around one to 3 million views a month on LinkedIn as a platform and started posting videos on there. And then what I've found is just throughout the years, people from YouTube back in my college days were finding me on LinkedIn. And then when I launched a TikTok over the summer, I went from zero to 30,000 followers in three months. And a lot of my comments were like, oh, I used to watch you back at Purdue or like, oh, I used to read your LinkedIn content or your Quora content. And it's just over time, I've just been collecting people that have been following me and my content. So yeah, I mean, I've been posting a lot on TikTok. It's really hard though to be a content creator and also run a, a company full time. So it's uh, that part has fallen off, but I, I'd love to get back into that again and posting content because I think that's where I have the the biggest eye is just is just for storytelling. And like, I love to be able to share thoughts and ideas through uh, like a piece of content. So Mahek, how can our listeners follow you on all social handles and, and any, what's, what's the website they need to go to, to check your stuff out and your business and everything like that? What's the best way for everybody to connect with you? Yeah. So if you are looking to change your life, land a job in marketing, just head over to joinskillbank.com. We'd love to check out your application and see if you'd be a good fit for our next cohort. If you'd like to follow me and our journey with building Skillbank, you can um, follow me at the Mahek Bora. And I'm on all platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn. That's that's my handle. So you can follow me there. Can you, can you spell that for him? Yeah. T-H-E-M-E-H-A-K-V-O-H-R-A. So... Around this time of our of our interviews, as we wrap up here, we usually have some music playing in the background, and we give our guests a, like a thirty second you know window to just kind of leave our listeners with some type of motivation or some type of you know thirty second commercial on success or whatever you'd like to leave them with. So I'll just give you the floor. At the end of the day, you are the only person who can make yourself successful. You have to put in the time, you have to put in the hours, and you have to put in the effort. And if you can figure out and hone in on what your goals are and what your dreams are, because you only have one life to live and you have to define why do you want to wake up in the morning? What makes you excited to live your days? And once you define that and once you figure out what that is, it makes it a lot easier to move through your life. It's a lot easier to figure out goals if you can figure out that end goal. I look at myself as being my biggest project at the end of the day. And my biggest goal is just to make myself the best version that I can possibly be. So if you're optimizing for that, I think that's the most important thing. Boom. That was so well said. And it, it leads into a thing that I ask myself every day, which keeps me going. Two questions I ask myself every day. If I'm able to answer this question, the, both of these questions, I know that I'm taking a step forward in my life. What am I doing and who am I doing it for? And if I could genuinely answer those questions in my heart, I know that I'm uh, making progress in my life. So thank you so much, Mayhek. Guys, if you are into marketing and want to learn more, 
hit up Mayhek on, you know, join Skill Bank or hit her up on social. I'm sure she's more than interactive. Mayhek, thank you so much. And we're really excited to see all the success coming your way. Thank you so much for having me, guys. This is great. 